Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Hey guys, and welcome into another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's Anthony Pagnotta back with you, and we continue our off-season interviews, uh, and we welcome in former North Carolina Tar Heel safety, Duante Williams. Hey, uh, bud, how's it going, man? Uh, I know uh, we are living in just a wild time, but uh, thanks for taking some time out to uh, to talk to us. But uh, how's your family doing and everything during what's uh, just an unbelievably weird time that we're living in here in 2020? Yeah, man, it's a... Uh... It's a crazy time that we're living in, man. And um, as my old ball coach, uh, Chuck Pagano, would say, man, cool heads prevail. Um, some things change. Some things never change, man. People have been messing my name up since day one, man. It's Deontay. 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 Okay. It's all good. <laughs> I get it out of time. Right, right. No, I mean, I just remember from when we were younger, and I was watching some videos earlier today just trying to figure out how to say it. I always remember everybody calling you Deonta Williams. That was exact, That that was pretty much how I always heard it. So um, it, it's good that we can get that cleared up. Uh, <laughs> now, now, now uh, of course, you know, look, I mean, you were just a great player when you were at Carolina, a four-year starter and a guy that just provided so many great memories so far uh, throughout your career career you know when you look back on your career what is really the memories that stick out to you is, is it really the games because I find that for a lot of guys it, it's the time off the field with a lot of the guys that are on the team yeah man um certainly man I, I think you know when you're younger uh when you're playing ball man I, you have this kind of um, invincibility thing um, and this timeless thing that you're tapping into um, so that you can actually go out on the field and perform uh, you know things that make history pretty much um, when we beat VTech at VTech you know when we beat um, Florida State at Florida State when we beat Virginia at Virginia you know those type of things of course I think back of uh, or to and uh, kind of think about how that was how it felt um, and I 
kind of used that type of stuff, you know, for fueling what I got going on now. Um, but as you said, what's really important to me as I think back, um, it's the time that I had at North Carolina. It was a beautiful experience. Um, it wasn't afforded to people. Uh, I, I'm born in the projects, man. So for me to make it to Carolina and experience that, um, it was a totally mind blowing experience and it's, it's really set me up to have success throughout my life now. Um, so I think about those things, man, meeting people, um, econ 101. I know that's a weird thing to think about, but you know, it was one of the most kind of mind blowing experiences I had at Carolina. I took it as a freshman and it was a thousand people in my class, you know, so those type of things, uh, just getting around that type of environment. Um, I miss the guys like crazy, you know, we always had crazy stories going on in the locker room, crazy type stuff. So, I mean, it, those are the things that you kind of think back and kind of miss, you know, when you first start thinking back about it. Well, I mean, look, you were ACC Rookie of the Year back in 2007. You got your career off to a fantastic start. Um, And you look at the 2009 season, which was just an amazing year for you. Six interceptions. uh, You landed on first team all ACC. Um, You know, when when you look back on on that season, you know, what do you think was so special about that year? Why do you think that that is the year that that really sticks out amongst the, the, the four really productive years you had at Carolina? Um, I mean, when I think about it personally, um, you know, and, and that's, I guess, the, the dichotomy of it all is, you know, the fans see what you produce on the field, and sometimes your friends get what, you, what you're going through off the field, man, and, mm-hmm. you know, I was going through different things off the field, personally, it was a very tough year for me, and what they saw on the field was kind of me harnessing all of the tough stuff I was dealing with off the field and putting that out there for the world to see and kind of taking my 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 love for the game and my frustrations in life out on on the field man and, and it just it transponded into um, a beautiful team effort um, you know the one thing that I say man there's no amount of individual success that you can have in football mm-hmm. um, that isn't spelled with you know T-E-A-M team mm-hmm. um, and you know there's 11 people on that defense man I would tell stories or I tell stories to people now about how good our D-line was during that time mm-hmm. you know uh, I remember us playing ECU or someone like that and I mean literally I, I stood in my stance. I took three steps backwards in the back pedal, and I thought they had called false start because Robert Quinn had sacked the quarterback so fast that it didn't even seem like it was a real play, <laughs> you know. Um, and so I just tell those stories about how amazing um, our D line was, our linebacker core, our, our secondary. You know, we were the rule boys, man, and we still are rule boys. And it's it's one of those things, man. We were just we were in our our primes, in, in our college prime at that time, man. And, uh, it just showed. I mean, we were top five defensive, you know, uh, rating and all of that good stuff, man. And it was fun. I mean, it was actually fun to go out there. You know, people knew our reputation as a defense, man. And it was fun either having a target on our back or actually seeing an offense kind of bow down uh, to our dominance, you know. 
Yeah, no, I mean, you just thinking about that defense, I mean, you talked about the, the defensive line, Robert Quinn, um, as well as uh, some of the early Quentin Copel days. Um, I mean, and then to the linebacking core with guys like Bruce Carter. Um, one of the guys that I personally love more than just about anybody, which is Kevin Reddick. I've been saying that for years. People look at me and think I'm crazy when I'm like, he's my favorite out of that whole linebacking core. But I loved him, Quan Sturdivant. And then, I mean, look at that secondary. I, I mean, you played with guys like Denoris Searcy, who of course went on and had a great NFL career. Kendrick yeah. Burney, who uh, was phenomenal in his time at Carolina. Um, and then a couple of guys. I mean, Tremaine Goddard was a guy that was talked about a lot at Carolina, but I just don't think was recognized at the level that he should have been uh, nationally. And then another guy that uh, is actually the, the co-host of this show's favorite player um, that I can remember him talking about on the defensive side, which is Charles Brown, another guy that just does not get all uh, much respect. What was it like to play amongst all of that talent in the secondary because I just don't feel like people realized how good that secondary actually was in, in that time when you guys played there. Yeah, man, it was a, um, I mean, it's so real, man. Um, I mean, all of the guys that you talked about, um, Charles Brown, you know, I, I self-proclaimed him as the swag king, man. And <laughs> I just, you know, a funny story. I just remember me saying that, you know, after practice and the very next day, you know, they have an article in the Daily Tar Heel with Charles Brown, Swag King, across it, man. And, I mean, he has that article. He's running across campus, man, like going nuts. So it's like, you know, all of those memories that you bring him back, man, just by dropping their names. But right. Tremaine was actually one of the guys that really helped me in my early years. Um, just understanding how to lead, uh, how to see the field, how to study film, all of that stuff, man. So Tremaine really got a, a real big credit for that on my behalf. Um, you talk about KB. We grew up in the same place, Jacksonville, North Carolina. We were roommates for three, four years in college. Um, so we got a tremendous relationship now. And they're actually, you know, in the midst of all of this coronavirus stuff, um, they were going to adopt him into Onslow County Hall of Fame, um, Sports Hall of Fame here in, in uh, Jacksonville, North Carolina. So, you know, man, you're just talking about guys that, you know, just had tremendous talent. Um, we had tremendous, you know, rapport with each other, man. We act like a unit. We all had each other's back. We all had different personalities. And I mean, it was a lot of talent, man. Um, I would question you. I love Kevin Reddick, man. I thought Quan Sturdivick was our best linebacker through those years. Um, right. Quan, to me, man, Bruce was just a, a animalistic, you know, physical being um i would say that zach, zach brown would fit that same mode right um but bruce you know bruce could do amazing things man he looked like lebron james when he was dunking a basketball and i mean what he did on the football field was kind of an example of, of his athleticism juan man he just had a, a remarkable nose for the ball man um and his leadership skills were 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 very unique, man. And so um, I was really I, I love for those guys to to get together, man, and talk about the old times, man. It's a, it's a good time all the time. 
Yeah, no, uh, I, I mean, just so many great players on that team. And that was why coming into that 2010 season, you know, we thought that we, we definitely had a, a shot um, to maybe even have a, a, some con- be in the conversation for the national championship. You know, before everything went down that did go down, was that kind of the feeling that you guys had in the preseason was that, not only were you a team that was going to make noise in the ACC, but that there was a legitimate chance with all the talent that you had there that you could make some noise nationally? Oh, man. I mean, you know, the point blank truth was we had six preseason All-Americans coming into that year. And we all decided to come back to school. We didn't have to come back to school. Um, you know, it's a beautiful relationship that we had with the University of North Carolina that we trusted that we could come back to school and be accepted and have a great senior year. But, you know, the point blank truth was we had earned enough clout that, you know, maybe six to eight of of the guys that we had on our team could have left and went to the NFL and been drafted that year. Mm-hmm. And so it was a, a crazy experience, man. Um, coming back that year, as I said, six preseason All-Americans, guys up for numerous, you know, awards. I was up for the Ronnie Lott Award, the, the Jim Thorpe Award, you know, preseason, all of these things. And then, bam, we get hit with the NCAA investigations, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, started – primarily at North Carolina and some other schools were caught up in that, that tangle. Um, but as history would have it, man, the NCAA just started going around schools to schools, it seemed like, um, doing and launching these investigations um, just across the country. Um, I remember Miami getting involved in this. I remember Michigan getting involved in it. So, I mean, you know, in hindsight, man, we felt like we were being singled out at that particular time, but as time kind of passed along, you just saw these other schools kind of getting into the mix with it as well. Um, Louisville, stuff like that, man. So, I mean, we thought we had a great shot at winning. Um, we wouldn't have came back if we didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was proven at the, you know, the combine that next year, we had the most people at the combine. We had the most people drafted, I think, that 2010 year. Um, we had the most talent in the NCAA, that's for sure. Um, I don't think there's a big, big question about that. And we can go back to back. You know, Julio was in that class. Cam Newton was in that class, of course. Right, right. Um, but just look from the top to the bottom. How many guys we had hit the combine? How many drafted and such and such? Um, and you know, I was a big fish, man. I broke my leg. I didn't even get drafted. You know, right. so right. Um, you know, it was it was things like that, man. You got to just take into consideration. Well, I mean, look at the guy that was leading the team as well. I mean, Butch Davis had been there, done that at, at, at Miami, um, you know, had, had a ton of success there. Then, of course, went on to the NFL and coached the Cleveland Browns. So, you know, I, I, I think that his reputation definitely took a hit after that. Fair or not, it, it seems like that's pretty much what has happened. Of course, he's now back in in coaching with the Florida International Panthers, and uh, he's having some good success down there. But you know, what, what's your relationship like even to this day with Coach Davis? Is he still a guy that you have contact with? And um, also, I would be interested to know what your relationship is with Coach Mac Brown now. Now that he's back and has also made it a focus to try to bring in some former players. Uh, after you know, some of the guys kind of got a little disconnected while Larry Fedora was there. Yeah, man, that was a very tragic um, occurrence with uh, Fedora. 
you know, um, speaking for myself personally and just from stories of, of close friends of mine, teammates, we just felt an extreme isolation um, to kick us through the door and then stand on what we had already created before you got there. And a lot of people felt rubbed the wrong way about that. And I, I applaud uh, Coach Brown and his coaching staff for what they're doing and how they are welcoming everyone back um, with open arms and with warm hearts. And it's sincere. Um, I kind of spoke on this before that there was an extreme amount of healing that needed to take place from the former players to the, to the new coaching staff. But also, you know, these former players come from a particular place. And most of us came from North Carolina. So it was no, you know, uh, you know, uh, it wasn't some, you know, thing of fate that we weren't getting big time recruits to the state of North Carolina. I mean, to the University of North Carolina. Right. From North Carolina. And it was because, you know, the way that the, the players in our class and kind of thereafter was treated by that administration, um, I thought that deterred a lot of big time players from going to North Carolina. And so I'm very glad to see that Coach Brown is taking it upon himself to heal and mend those relationships and keep pushing North Carolina forward. Um, now I'll go to Coach Davis. Coach Davis, man. Coach Davis is the type of guy, if you were coached by him, if you were a big-time player, if you were a small-time player, if you have his phone number, if you text him, call him, he will give you a call back at his early convenience. Mm -hmm. And he truly cares about his players, man. That was the one thing that made us play so hard for him. Um, and like you said, I think he did get a bad end of the deal mm -hmm. um, from all of that stuff, man. But, you know, we all go through things, man. And, Definitely. you know, in, in my opinion, men, we step up to the plate and we handle what we got to handle. And we don't sit around and cry about spilled milk. And uh, that's exactly what he's doing down there at FIU. I've been down there a couple of times. They have a great system, a great program they're building down there. The excitement that we had in North Carolina, their their students and student athletes have that excitement. Their coaching staff does. It's just a matter of time before they keep rolling. Uh, I know they had that big bowl appearance, I think, what, last year? Um, that got a lot of energy towards their program. So Coach Davis is going to be fine, man. He's one of those guys. He's a winner. You know what I mean? And winners, people want winners around them. So he's going to be fine. Yeah, no, I remember the day Coach Davis was let go. Uh, I was at, still young at the time, uh, still in high school, and uh, I remember just hearing the news um, over, I believe it was they were supposed to do a coach's show for Roy, and they – came on and started with the breaking news that they had let Butch Davis go. Um, and I was just in complete shock. Um, texted my buddy, uh, who, who is actually my co-host on the show now, and said, I can't believe that they've actually fired Butch Davis. I mean, this is not his fault. This is something that seems like it was out of his control, and now he's being punished for it. And even to this day, I still feel like that 
kind of seems like the case. But uh, I'm so glad to see that he's having success down there at Florida International. And, of course, uh, a guy that we had on here uh, at back at the start of the podcast actually still coached down there. Brent Renner is still down there as well, so that's really cool to see. Oh, yeah, uh, that's my guy. Yeah, yeah, I love Brent. Great guy. And uh, now I think he's actually – I believe he's coaching your position. I think he's actually coaching um, the, the secondary or maybe just safeties, one of the two. I wonder how that is going over for a guy that played quarterback and – by the time he left Carolina, was not used to throwing interceptions. That's got to be pretty interesting. Well, I tease Brent. He used to throw me a pick a day at practice, man. <laughs> he's Brent, man. But Brent, he, he's phenomenal, man. He's got that energy, man. He's a go-getter. And um, from day one, when I met him, man, um, I was inspired by him and just his competitive nature. Mm-hmm. Um, he played scout team quarterback for us for a while. Uh, uh, his freshman year, and he made us better, man. So, like I said before, man, there's no amount of individual success you can have in football without a team success, and that was kind of part of the stuff um, people didn't really understand. We would be practicing against Brent Renner. So when we got into a game, you know, we were used to a quarterback with a live arm that could make some things happen. Um, So, yeah, man, he's never hit me up for any backpedaling advice or anything like that. But uh, now that I know that, I might shoot him a message and, and ask what's up with that. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, let him know. Let him know. Uh, I think they they did they've been doing pretty well. I know uh, last year, uh, this past season, of course, uh, Coach Davis got a huge win over uh, Miami over the team he formerly coached. So that was pretty cool. So I think Bren's doing something right down there. Um, maybe he's uh, he was watching you guys and got some uh, some tips, kept some things in his head that he can use with his own guys. But. Uh, you know, unfortunately, your career came to an end um, at the conclusion of your college career. Actually, the final game that you played, which was the Music City Bowl back in 2010. Of course, we have a much different memory of that game. Um, but for you, you know, that was where your your playing career ended, and you actually wrote a book about it and everything like that. Why did you feel the the passion to write a book? Why, why was that a story that you felt was important to get out? Um... Man, a book is a uh, is an uh, is a uh, amazing creative process, and um, I tell everybody now I'm an author. Um, everyone has a book inside of them, you know, um, or two, a book or two um, inside of them, and it's just really sitting down with the discipline and the focus to get it out. Um, you know, you don't want to write a book for no reason. You want to have a message inside the book. Um, and I have a beautiful message inside of it. It's a, it's a beautiful message of dealing with adversity, man, overcoming adversity. Uh, the break is in there. The NCAA scandal is in there um, for parents wanting to know how their kids adjust from going to high school to college. Um, and then even after that point, that type of stuff is in there. Um, yeah, I would love to put a plug in, man. Um, go to www.deontaywilliams.com, order it. You call it My Breaking Point. Um, that's D E U N T A Williams.com. Um, My Breaking Point. It was a beautiful story. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing that I've learned is the victor tells the story, man. And um, I'm, I'm a huge person on, you know, my likeness. You know, I was kind of involved in the O'Bannon cases and stuff like that with the players' likeness. Um, I've really followed that stuff closely. 
Um, I'm a huge proponent of, of, you know, owning your business. I've always said that when I was playing, you know, our bodies was our business. So we had to make sure our bodies was good so that we can go out there and do good business on the football field. And um, nothing's changed, man. Um, I'm still that same gladiator. I tell people, you know, I just change what I'm doing. Football was my first engine to stardom and glory and success. Um, now I'm using that same attitude of business um, and nonprofit world, man. I do a lot of work with the YMCA here locally, the Boys and Girls Club here locally, um, and a couple of other Onslow County boards um, that deal with equity, um, diversity, and such like that. And so, man, you know, life is a journey, bro. And, um, any, you know, the, the, the best thing about it is, Nobody can play football or basketball forever unless you're like LeBron James, which is fine. He's the GOAT, in my, in my opinion. We can talk about that another time. Let's, that could be a whole nother interview where we debate that. I mean, I'm, I'm in love with what he does on the court, but also what he does off the court. Right. Um, and that is, is kind of the true essence of who I am. Um, if I was still playing in the NFL, I would still be heavily involved um, in nonprofit and, and things like that, helping people. That's just how my heart is set up, man. So um, that's who I am, man. Um, it was tragic that I broke my leg. Mm-hmm. Um, I tell people all the time, I was just very good at football and even when I started playing football, I never dreamed really of playing in the NFL. It was more of a, um, you know, it was more of a uh, designed end to, you know, what I was mining. I, the talent that I had inside of myself, I was mining that talent and it was coming out in a, in the fashion of being good at football and leading to the NFL. But that wasn't my plan. Um, in the book, I talk about how I spent years in depression fighting these thoughts and Mm. overcoming all of those thoughts because I did feel like I was robbed. I was right there, you know? Right. On my last possible game in college. And so it was very tough to deal with, man. But as I've come to understand, man, my life has a bigger purpose than that. And it's not narrow to that vision right there. Well, that's awesome, man. And uh, yeah, this would probably be the perfect time for people to pick it up. My Breaking Point is the name of the book. Uh, and again, what what's that website where they can go and find it at? Yeah, man. www.deontaywilliams.com. There you go. Um, that's D-E-U-N-T-A. All right. Yeah. Hey, uh, that's that's phenomenal, man. We are so glad that things have, have worked out for you. Um, and uh, yeah, believe me, we uh, we loved you on the football field at Carolina, but it's awesome to see that you're uh, having so much success off the field uh, with all your other ventures in life. So, uh, hey, man, thanks for joining us. Uh, it, it, this was phenomenal. Um, just uh, an absolutely great talk with you. And uh, we'd love to have you back on sometime to talk a, a little bit of Tar Heel football, maybe if you're still keeping up and uh, also just kind of check in on you from time to time about uh, what's going on and what, what you're doing uh, in your local community and uh, in terms of everything else that you got going on in life as an entrepreneur and an author. Yes, man. I appreciate it, man. Um, you keep doing what you're doing, man. Um, you, you know, you're inspiring people, man. People need to hear this good stuff, bro, and they need to have that perspective. Um, your ties with the former players, man, we appreciate it. I know I do. Um, you know, I don't get too many interviews these days, man, but I try to capture those and, and kind of spread the, the right message in my mind. 
Well, yeah, no, I mean, uh, I'm just glad that you guys are are giving me the time and, and realizing that this is not just uh, some some fanboy that's out there doing uh, just a random podcast. It's someone who's really taken this seriously and has been covering the team for a couple of years now and is wanting to have these types of guys on to, to talk about, you know, not only what they did in their careers, but also what they're doing out outside of uh, their, their careers after college. Because, uh, I mean, I haven't had a single former NFL player on so far. All these guys are guys whose careers, you know, ended at the college level, but they've gone on to do fantastic things. So thanks for taking some time out. Uh, really appreciate the kind words, and uh, we'll talk to you down the line, okay? Thanks, Anthony, man. Appreciate you. All right. All right, Deontay Williams, the former Tar Heel safety, stopping by with us. And, man, just an awesome interview there. Uh, you heard everything from uh, his time when he pretty much originally arrived on campus, all the success that he had there, uh, to basically uh, where he is at now. That's exactly what I want to do with these interviews, and that was just perfect. So, um, of course, we got so many others uh, that we're going to be doing. Of course, you can go back and listen to uh, the two that we've already done so far. Um, you got Antonio. James, the former running back who I actually went to the same high school as. That was a pretty cool interview. Go back and listen to that. Also, you can go back and hear uh, a guy that had a, really another tragic end to uh, his college football career, C.J. Cotman, who had to step away, of course, uh, early last season during uh, spring practice due to concussions. Um, we have a great interview with him. He tells us where he's at right now. Uh, and, of course, we have some other great ones coming up as well that you guys will be able to tune into. Of course, um, during this time. We are trying to span these out a little bit, so it is going to be one a week for right now. Um, but after that, if we start to get some news as to whether or not we're going to get closer to actually getting this season underway, I know today uh, there were, the, the day that we're recording this, which is March 25th, of course this will come out a lot later, um, there was some news that they were possibly thinking about going to some sort of NFL type uh, summer OTA type thing, basically just to get the guys in a little bit of a rhythm when they can be get back out there. Um, it would basically just be a very shortened spring practice um, where they go through a couple of days in uh, in shorts and just um, get some of the basic stuff down, allow uh, some guys that maybe are, are, are a little out of shape uh, after this time to get back into shape. Um, that's definitely a possibility, but again, we're going to try to keep you updated on everything that's going up going on on that front. Uh, also, uh, there's plenty of other great content that you guys can check out on HeelToughBlog.com. Uh, you can go there. Uh, again, we've recorded these uh, well ahead of time, so uh, make sure you're just checking in. We have all the football, basketball, and uh, baseball articles that you need. Uh, baseball, of course, we're really just covering in season there. We're still looking to get a, a baseball writer in here that's going to want to write full-time baseball um, because covering football and basketball really is a full-time job. So we're looking for that person. If you're interested, just contact us. Let us know. Um, you can email me, uh, anthony.pegnata at yahoo.com, anthony.pegnata at yahoo.com, or uh, you can hit me or Josh up uh, on Twitter. Uh, I'm at htbanthony, uh, and then Josh is Joshua Marlowe 5 So make sure uh, if you're interested, just uh, send us a message, and uh, we'll get to talking to you. So uh, once again, want to thank Deontay Williams for joining us. Want to thank you guys for listening. A reminder to make sure that you uh, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any of these episodes and you can catch up on all, all the episodes that you missed. You, it, we, we've got some great content and of course,
course, as we go towards the season, the content is going to get uh, even better, potentially. I don't know which one you like better. I mean, interviewing former players is awesome, but uh, we'll have you covered on what should be just an unbelievably exciting 2020 season uh, if it does end up getting underway, uh, which, uh, again, we're trying to stay positive. We think it will, um, and we're preparing for it as if it will. Um, and, of course, we'll have you covered with everything there, so make sure uh, that you are subscribed to the feed wherever you listen to your podcast. So once again, thank you guys for listening, and as always, Go Tar Heels!